0: We have nothing to fear for the future except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teaching in our past history. What a powerful statement written by Ellen White, one of the founding leaders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It is this past, this history, that we will talk with David Trim, Director of Archives statistics and research next you're watching ministry in motion where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. David, welcome to Ministry in Motion.
1: Ivan, thank you for having me.
0: I'm honored to have a church historian on set today. And I'm excited about this because, in general,
1: people don't value history. That's correct. Uh, Or they think they value it. Okay. But they don't in practice. And if you think about the quotation from Ellen White with which you began, that's so familiar, and yet it's not the only one. Another of her statements Probably my personal favorite, actually, even more than the one you quoted, is this. It says, the past experiences of God's people are not to be regarded as dead facts. Hmm. You know, the point being that these are not something lost in the distance time that are not relevant for us today because the past events of God's people, which show how he led us and his teaching in our past history, to use the words of that other quote, These are the things from which we can be inspired, and these are the things from which we can learn. But the problem is, Ivan, I think too often we just quote these statements. And then we feel, well, I've quoted them. Um, That's all I need to do. But there needs to be some follow-through, too, if we're to actually take the benefit from it.
0: Yeah, you know, David, when you read Scripture, over and over, God reminded the children of Israel of how he took care of them. Yes, when they left Egypt, and how he bore them up on eagles' wings, and on and on and on. He talked about uh, their past and them not forgetting their past. So what is it today that has inspired you? I mean, you direct a whole ministry department
1: that deals with Adventist history. Why is that important? That's a great question, Ivan. I, I've just always had a love for history since as far back as I can remember, and it must come to some extent from my parents. Uh, but I do think it's partly from uh, scripture. Of course, actually, Christianity is an historical religion, as various uh, scholars would point out. You know, Hinduism, Buddhism, to some extent, their teachings don't. It doesn't matter if the Mahabharata, say, as uh, an Indian text, is true. Uh, Christianity is based on the historical working of God in certain people's lives. And indeed, a people, the children of Israel, succeeded by the church. So the whole nature of Christianity is historical. I think also, though, Ivan, you know, my, my father, when we would have Friday night worship at home, my father was a pastor, spent yes. his career in the church, would often read uh, from the Great Controversy. Hmm. And so there you have, of course, this wonderful uh, overview of God's history, including not just salvation history in the Bible, but the history of, for example, the Protestant reformers and sure. the Adventist church. And so at some point, these things crystallized in my, uh, my early boyhood thinking, and history was just something that I've always loved.
0: Wow, well, what, what about the lack of resources or uh, maybe even interests or the, the practice of looking back?
1: why Why has that been such a challenge again that's a great question, Ivan, and I, as I say, I think people almost I could think of certain church leaders who quote Ellen White and then do nothing to act on it yeah um, I think one of the reasons is that we are an apocalyptic eschatological movement. We are focused on the imminent end of time, and if you're focused on that then Preserving your documents in an archives, <laughs> such as I'm responsible for, right, doesn't necessarily seem the most urgent matter. But then mm. I think this is why God inspired Ellen White with these statements mm. to remind us that the history is there and we mustn't lose sight of it. Because just as uh, you know, God repeatedly tells the children of Israel, as you say, "I brought you through the Red Sea. I brought you through Jordan into the Promised Land." Yes. So we can look at our past and say, yes, God has worked. And where God has worked once, he can and will work again. Hmm. But I think this is part of the reason is that we're so focused on the future and the imminent end of time that we lose sight of the importance of our past. And yet it's there to inspire us, to chasten us sometimes. It's there for us to learn from. Yeah, and you know, the Bible
0: says, and Solomon wrote that there is nothing new under the sun. So it may give us a view that sometimes history uh, may repeat itself. Yes. So we do have something to learn about the past, don't
1: we? I think that's absolutely right. And I, um, after the break, we can even perhaps talk more. There are some things that one sees repeated in Adventist history, Yes. Um, you know, is history cyclical? Well, people disagree, but to some extent it is. There are certain uh, trends that one sees repeated, and if one doesn't learn the appropriate lessons, then one can get stuck in a negative cycle. Sure. Uh, so, as you say, there's nothing new under the sun, but history doesn't repeat itself in the same way each time. So if we are aware of what has happened, hmm. if we study it and analyze it, uh, we can apply it. And therefore, learn how to make things different this time around. You know, given that we're talking today in a program for pastors, I just want to stress this is something that is not only true at the macro level of yes. the Seventh day Adventist World Church or a particular country, it's also true for the local church, mm. because every local church has its history just as each of us has our history with God right and all of us know the value of our own history with God we look back and can learn and we should be able to uh, extrapolate the what works in my individual experience will also work in my local church
0: so David very quickly tell us what you do in the office that you serve as director and maybe you've shared a few benefits of the history But what are some immediate benefits that maybe pastors, ministry leaders are not
1: even aware of? So, Archive Statistics and Research is a department at the World Church. We collect uh, information about the church statistics and uh, information about who serves everywhere, which we publish in the annual statistical report, the Seventh-day Adventist yearbook. We do social science research. We do surveys of church members. Just finished a survey of church members in every division, more than 60,000 church members around the world, which mm. gives us extraordinary insights. Perhaps we can talk about that another time. Sure. Uh, but the archives is kind of what's nearest and dearest to my own heart. Because I was uh, an historian, I taught at Adventist colleges for more than 12 years, for I came to this position the archives we preserve the institutional records of the Seventh-day Adventist Church but we also digitize them and make them available on our website okay and there are resources there that local pastors local elders local uh, ministry leaders can access and use, and they're all freely available, they're easily searchable, and they can use them in different ways for their own ministry in their local context. What is that website, if you don't mind? It's www.adventistarchives.org, adventistarchives.org, It's very easy to remember. (laughs) Uh, As we'd say in my homeland of Britain, it does what it says on the tin, Uh, adventistarchives.org. So if you can remember that, you'll remember the website address. Thank you. David, when we come
0: back, I want to talk to you more about the values, the benefits, the virtues of being a historian and our need to understand our past. You're watching Ministry in Motion. Stay with us. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. I'm talking with our church historian, David Trim, who works at the General Conference, and he directs the history of the Seventh-day Adventist Church through this venue. David, when we left, we were talking about the benefits of relying on and remembering and focusing on our history. I like what you said, a personal history, church history, and, of course, salvation's history in our lives. But what are the values and benefits
1: um, of inspiration, of encouragement? What, what are they? You put your, your, your finger on it there, Ivan. I think the first uh, benefit or value of knowing and studying our church history is inspiration and encouragement. You yeah. know... Um, one of the, uh, the, the complaints I would have about the way Adventist history is often done is that we always tell the stories of the same few individuals. Sure. Ellen and James White, Jay and Andrews, Jay and Loughborough, you know, just a few individuals. But Adventist history is wide, it is deep, it is full of stories that can inspire. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, I think of a man called Ezra Longway, who spent mm. 55 years as a missionary. Mm. In Asia. Most of them in China, but uh, he went in 1919 and he wow. only returned permanently to the United States in 1974. You know, some would say he returned to his homeland, but after you spend 55 sure. years, is the US really his homeland? No. And I think of, you know, Hebrews, where the author of Hebrews says of all these heroes of faith uh, that if they, if they, If they had wanted to, they could have gone back to the country they came out of. Correct. But they didn't because their mind was on another country, a better country, Mm. which God has for them. Yeah. And that's true for so many Adventist missionaries. Uh, This church was built up around the world by Mm. people who spent decades of their lives. Uh, And, you know, we could give innumerable examples, but I think also a man called William Baxter. Sure. Who spent 38 years as a missionary in the Caribbean and Central America. And who, in 1936, was so ill, because, you know, these are areas that were the tropics, they have all kind of endemic diseases, which were only Mm. sometimes just finding cures for. In 1936, he was so ill, he was sent back to the United States. And the General Conference actually voted to put him on retirement. He was only 60 because he was so ill, and uh, he says no. He appeals the decision to allow him to retire. Mm. And the Inter-American Division president actually writes and says, you know, Brother Baxter is wonderful, but he will give his life for the cause if he has to, and we think it's better that he stay in America. So basically, the church leaders there think they're trying to save this man's life. But he appeals the decision to give him an easy retirement. He gets a medical certificate showing that he's fully recovered. And then he also says, I will go to this particular field. It's in Colombia. Particular mission where nobody has been able to stay. This was a man who had been the union president, and now he's saying, I'll go and work at the mission level. Now, Ivan, you know, there are some people in our church who would say going from union to a mission or conference is demotion. Sure. Um, that's probably not the best way to think of it, but he was so anxious to go back and serve people that he risked, literally risked his own life mm. and was willing to, as some might say it, go down in the hierarchy, and he did. He went to this mission where nobody else had been able to, to survive, and he built up the church and he served another 10 years, serving 38 years in all. I mean, this kind of commitment is extraordinary. And we can be, as we understand those stories, we can say, yes, I want to be like that. I want to have the same commitment, the same passion, the same sense of spirit of sacrifice that they had.
0: David, I love these stories, and I I want you to share more with us.
1: But tell us, where can we find these stories? Well, some of the stories, unfortunately, you would have to do research in the church's archives, but many of them are available online. We have uh, millions of pages of the content of the church's periodicals and many okay. of these stories got told in the pages of the church's journals their magazines mm. uh, and so some of them that you can find there but you know again if we come back to the local church Ivan yes every local church has got its own heroes mm. the woman who taught the children's Sabbath school for 40 years and yes. was there at you know, eight o'clock every Sabbath morning to put everything out so it would be perfect when the children came. Hmm. That's not a hypothetical example. I'm thinking of someone from no. my home church. Sure. Uh, the people who uh, are so committed that they're there to make sure the boiler is on at 7 a.m. every Sabbath morning during winter. Or fixes potluck. Right, yes. For 50 years. Exactly. <laughs> uh, these people's stories we too often forget. And there is the opportunity in Sabbath school, maybe even the start of divine service, to bring somebody up and ask them to tell their story. And what i found is that uh, younger people, teenagers, early 20s, often find these stories compelling. Because yes. there is something about a person's individual story. Right. So you can find some of these mission stories about people who just did extraordinary things, mm-hmm. and whose sense of sacrifice, I mean, is just Uh, Of them, we are not worthy. But there are also people who are doing things in the local church. And we don't celebrate people. We celebrate Christ. But we understand that Christ works through people. Yes. And sometimes highlighting these stories can lead other people to say, you know what? I want to be like that. I want to do that. Mm. You know, unfortunately,
0: David, you know when we hear the history of a person being faithful to the Lord at their funeral. Yeah. That's right. And why not? That's a great idea. Why not share some of the history of the founding fathers of a local church or the faithful leaders of a local church?
1: Or even, you know, some local churches go back far enough that you can, people did have to make sacrifices. Sure. Uh, Sometimes I think, you know, there's a local church in Tennessee, several of whose members in the late 19th century and early 1900s were imprisoned for keeping Sabbath. Mm. You've got people Amazing. who defy local laws or even people who just go out in faith and say, you know what, this church building is going to cost so many thousands of dollars and we don't have it, but we're going to begin and God blesses them and these things happen. So, you know, again, where, there, where God has worked before, yes. God can and will work again. And sometimes it's good for us to be reminded of that. I think of a church in uh, Northern California which I helped do some research because they were coming up to what they thought was the anniversary of their founding. (laughs) And I was able to show to them, actually, the church had been founded rather earlier. Hmm. And working with them, they were able to see, you know, they thought that the great days of their church had come in the late 80s and early 90s and that now they were in a little bit of a trough, a down cycle. And I was able to show, no, you know what? The great days of your church came 40 and 30 and 40 years earlier. And then you went, and what they thought was the high point came after another down cycle. And for them, that was encouraging because they could say, wow, yes, sometimes it is cyclical. We go up and we go down. But if we've gone down and come up once, we can do it again. And actually, praise God, that church is now beginning to go back up on an upward curve. So that's the power of history. David, you are bringing value to history and reminding
0: us of its importance. When we come back, I want to talk to you about this whole understanding that history sometimes causes us to repent. You're watching Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. I'm talking with David Trim about the value of history. And we're talking about Adventist history. If we look back in our past there had to be some
1: periods of reflection and even repentance, correct? Correct. Uh, There's the inspiration, encouragement, as we talked about before the break. But also, you know, we haven't always done things right. And we shouldn't be embarrassed about that. Look at the Old Testament, the New Testament. God's people don't always get things right. And Ellen White actually comments on this. She, uh, she says, you know, uh, how often do we read of the lives of Christians, that their lives are faultless? And then she says, if the pen of inspiration had written their story, how different would it have been? Mm. Because we do have a tendency to want to pretend that everything was great. Sure. Um, and Adventists fall into this, this trap because it is a trap. And I think, you know, sometimes we don't want to admit that we did anything wrong. We don't want to admit that individuals made mistakes, even had moral faults, sure. um, because we're afraid that somehow, it, you know, it will look bad now. But here's the, here's the thing, Ivan. There are skeletons in the cupboard, sure. but they do not discredit the living body of Christ today, the church. Sure. And so, you know, the church's emphasis for the last several years has been on uh, revival and reformation. Mm-hmm. An integral part of reformation is repentance. And so at times, you know, we need to look to the past and say, did we do things right here? No, we didn't. And as a church, we can repent. And also to look at the, you know, we don't want to glorify individuals uh, who may have been guilty of some bad practices. But too often we want to simplify things and just create, you know, there's only heroes or there's only villains. But very often heroes like the statue in Daniel have feet of clay. Sure. Um, so it's appropriate for us to be more cautious when we talk about some individuals and not seek to glorify them. The danger then is also, of course, that we are taking away uh, from the working of the Holy Spirit. Where sure. men and women have these extraordinary gifts, it's because Christ has transformed them and they've been transcended. So I, I, it's, it's, it's appropriate for us at times to reflect, for example, that the early 20th century church was very racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost appallingly racist mm-hmm. and what makes that kind of worse is that a little bit before that the church was more open-minded on race sure so it's not that we were always succumbing to the values of, of the wider culture mm-hmm. we had a goodish position and then we did succumb to the values of of wider culture and we adopted positions that were utterly inconsistent with the value of the gospel and that's true in the United States but it's also true in other countries, the church has been racist, sure, in a number of countries, and it 's appropriate for us to, for us to acknowledge that yeah and that,
0: and that and 's why we have repentance that 's why God has given right. us an opportunity right. to repent I, I really appreciate that and
1: repenting and acknowledging sin in scripture is the first step to uh being saved, and so yes. as, we shouldn't be, we shouldn 't fear this as a church we shouldn 't yes. fear acknowledging that we 've done things wrong. Um, and equally if we don't if we're not willing to admit we made mistakes we can't learn lessons Mm. so another value of church history is improving our missional practice yes you know it's interesting in the Middle East in the early 20th century we had missionaries especially a man called George Keogh who began to adapt the Adventist message to the local culture not the substance of the message, but just the way it was presented. He was doing things that were, would have been seen as radical mm. by any missionaries around the world. And the church was beginning to baptize people in the Middle East where it's desperately hard to convert anyone. Yes. Well, in the late 1920s, he was pulled out and went back to teach at a college in his homeland. And all his innovative practice was lost, And you know, the thing is, what he was doing gets rediscovered in the 80s at places like the Institute of World Mission at Andrews University. And our missiologists begin to say, ah, this is the way we should do things. You know what, we were doing them, we were doing them 70 years before, and we forgot. At the same time, we can say, well, you know, not. There are some mes- methods that don't always work, or don't work in every culture. Okay. And again, it's appropriate to, rather than just pretending. Oh yes, everything works out tremendously well. You know, there are there are there are methodologies um, that don't work in certain cultures. The public evangelistic campaign doesn't always work in some places, or at least not in the way that people might be used to in their their homelands. And too often we've just gone in and said, what I do in my culture is fine, I'll impose it here, and then it doesn't work. So, again, it's appropriate to sort of repent of that and say, God, I put my plans ahead of your plans, I'm going to acknowledge that, repent, let's learn some lessons and say, how can we do things better? Or Mm. indeed to say, let's remember the innovative good practice and not forget it, let's embrace it and go forward with it. You know, I've learned something, and
0: what I hear you saying is that a cookie cut method anywhere to reach people missionally is not learning from the history and the past. Um, In other words, it didn't work in the past,
1: so we ought to try new methods today. Right, and this is something some of our pioneers understood. It was something they learned in Europe, for example. What works in the Midwest and the West Coast of the Old World doesn't work in the West Coast of the New World in Spain and France and places like this. But our early pioneers learned from that, Ivan. Hmm. They did. They did things differently. Um, And again, sometimes we've lost sight of their innovation. So let's let's do as many of our pioneers did and say, there isn't a cookie cutter, as you say. I have to adapt to my situation. Very
0: interesting. You know, some churches, David, are duplicating your role in the local level, but many are not. What could a local church do, a church board, a church pastor?
1: Two things. First, preserve your local church's archives. Too many pastors say, oh, what are these old minute books and records and correspondence? Throw them out. Keep them because you can gain understanding from them. But second, write your own local church history and involve the church members as a corporate project because when they do that, they'll see how God has worked and they will be inspired.
0: I really appreciate this. Um, We've touched just a little bit, I believe. And uh, again, share the website with us that we can learn this history.
1: www.adventistarchives.org
0: David, thank you for being on Ministry in Motion. Thank you for having me, Ivan. So we discovered you are important to the Adventist history. We have a personal history. Yes, there's a church history. But more importantly, there is your salvation history. David Trim emphasized inspired counsel that said we have nothing to fear for the future except we forget the way God has led us in the past. He also shared that there is a lack of interest and a lack of resources that hinders us knowing our history. Then he also shared virtues and benefits, inspiration and encouragement, reflection and repentance and improved missional practice. These all happen when we understand our history. Thank you for being with us on Ministry in Motion. For other resources, visit ministryinmotion.tv. Until next time, may the Lord show you value in how he has led you in the past.